0: Welcome to our 22nd episode of Think Compliance. Join us as we are discussing a big DOJ announcement. Endivier Solutions pleads guilty to felony charge, and Endivier Entities agrees to pay more than $600 million to resolve criminal and civil investigations as part of uh, DOJ's largest opioid resolution. Hello, and welcome to Think Compliance, brought to you by Compliatric and Ahmed Saleem. My name is Dagmar Austin. Uh, Happy to be co-hosting this podcast with you, Ahmed.
1: Hey, Dagmar. Always fun to chat with you.
0: For our new listeners, Think Compliance was created in order to assist compliance professionals in building their program and to have a bit of fun. During COVID, it always helps. Um, during every podcast, we will discuss a new compliance issue and provide insight on how to ensure your organization is following best practices. Now it's important to note that the information provided in our podcast are the opinions of our presenters and should not be considered legal advice. If you have any questions or want to join one of our shows, hit us up on Twitter at think Comply. So let's get started. You sent me this article, Ahmed, and it was pretty interesting. Can you give uh, our listeners a little bit of background into it?
1: Yeah. So for all our listeners who want to get a a closer, deep dive into this, uh, we'll post a link onto our Twitter page, um, as well as uh, wherever you decide to download the podcast. But, you know, uh, essentially settlement from the Department of Justice and Indivior, the pharmaceutical company, uh, taking back from July of 2020 and simply put or another organization dealing with some form of fraud related to the opioid crisis which if you've been aware of the oig work plan the last handful of years you've known that that's been kind of a target um, opioid usage and kind of the resulting effects of overutilization has been on the government's mind um, and you know you're starting to see a lot of these organizations kind of get hit with uh, some of the follow-up actions from this big pandemic
0: how long were they investigating this, Emin?
1: Well, it was a few years. I mean, this dates back to, I mean, the early 2010s. Um, you know, Endivier definitely admitted to some uh, big fault. Uh, I mean, at a high level, essentially what Endivier admitted was they they sought Medi- Medicaid expansion, essentially, in Massachusetts. Um, and they did this by indicating some form of false data that their their uh, suboxone film it had a pretty low accidental rate of exposure for children, which actually was not true. So you're talking about the opioid crisis. You're talking about lying about safety measures. I mean, there's a, a couple big things that went on.
0: How did the department of justice investigate this? I mean, it's been going on for so long. Can you give us any more insight into, you know, how do you accomplish such a big task?
1: I mean, you're talking about years of, you know, investigating by prosecutors and agents, right? There's data that's involved. There's com- uh, patient complaints, right? There's prescriber habits, uh, you know, a number of factors that relate to this. But, you know, the interesting thing about all of this is, you know, and if you're You know, they had to disband their box-owned sales force, right? And they weren't allowed to reinstate it. Their CEO had to certify, they have to certify on an annual basis. Um, In 2020, their former CEO was hit with a misdemeanor related to this situation. So, you know, it's good to see that on one hand, the government come in strong on something uh, that was important it's been on the work plan the past couple of years, but you know, as a compliance professional, it's still frustrating to see you know our fellow colleagues have to deal with, with kind of high-level senior staff kind of just ignoring this concept of compliance.
0: Looking at like the civil settlement side, it looks like there were ft the FTC got involved. There were non-monetary compensation, and there were false claims issues, right?
1: I personally think that for an organization to really comprehend right it's a combination of a few things right so you're going to have your penalty which uh, they settled about 600 million dollars is going to affect stock it's going to affect the future earnings of the organization right like they disbanded a product that seemed to be pretty uh you know commercially successful for their organization obviously that's probably dependent on the fact that they put a lot of false information out about it. But, uh, you know, another important component of this is these is corporate integrity agreement, right? And I don't think we really talk about corporate integrity agreements and kind of the importance they have in when it relates to these settlements.
0: What is a corporate integrity agreement?
1: Uh, so simply put, essentially, it's an agreement between the organization and the uh, OIG, um, Office Inspector General, really kind of like what they, what the organization is bound to do to kind of get back into the good graces of the OIG. Um, And if they don't do it, it's kind of your last check before you lose your eligibility for like Medicare. It involves actually a number of factors. Um, You know, if you you go to the OIG website and you look at kind of sample CIAs, you're going to see basically... 40, 50 page documents. And, you know, a a good, a good practice habit I, I tend to offer a lot of people is if you're really trying to understand how strong your program should be, it's always a good idea to look at the latest corporate integrity agreements and kind of look at what the government is expecting you know their offenders to focus on and you'll notice every single oig corporate integrity agreement is structured around the seven elements in effective compliance process uh program sorry as well as a risk assessment
0: how does a company you know how does how does the company avoid something like this happening to them or what do they need to do to you know avoid such a huge catastrophe
1: you know it's funny because we always talk about this concept of the seven elements of effective compliance program but i think when you look at a lot of these settlement agreements and you see these corporate integrity agreements being put into place right and you're noticing that they're just essentially outlined and have kind of detailed of the elements and what you're supposed to do you know i think that's what compliance professionals speak you know, until they're blue in the face about the seven elements because that is truly the best way to kind of protect your program and, and your organization from you know falling into these these big settlements right and, you know like and if you think about it logically it does make sense if you have a compliance officer which is a program oversight you know your compliance officer should be building policies should be putting out training should proactively looking for uh, you know components to be monitoring and auditing to identify issues right there should be the hotline they should be investigating hotlines I mean that's that's how you proactively prevent your organization from going down this road that being said sometimes bad stuff just happens right they hide it from the compliance professional audits audit information isn't given to you as hard as you're trying to be proactive sometimes you're put in a position where you're you're going to fail But at least if you have these program elements in place, you can buy yourself some goodwill with the government and show that you tried and that it wasn't really your fault if, you know, people above you are purposely hiding things from you and you were unable to identify it. Not the best excuse, but, you know, sometimes that happens. Are there any
0: um, Department of Justice investigations that are kind of like on the same scale as this one that in recent history?
1: You know... You're going. You're seeing a lot of situations with the opioid crisis, and obviously that's because, like I said, it's been on the work plan. But, you know, a big topic that's coming down, and we'll talk about in one of our coming podcast episodes, is physician arrangements dealing with speaker programs. You know, those, those contracts where organizations are hiring physicians to be a consultant or a key opinion leader or set up a speaker program. You know, the government's finding that there's been... An excess number of dollars being spent on these types of contracts. And, you know, there's that concern that you know, these contracts are being utilized as some form of roundabout way to influence a prescriber based on the fact that you're giving them this other money in what you're setting up and think is an appropriate manner. So, you know, you start to see some of those. Uh, Incis Therapeutics just had a couple hundred million dollars. I know Novartis back in the summertime, I believe it was around six hundred million dollars. I think they spent about a hundred million on uh, contracts and ended up being about a $600 million allegation. So you're starting to see some big topic areas boiling over and starting to see uh, you know, the government kind of throw the hammer down on some of these organizations.
0: It'll be definitely interesting to keep an eye on all of these. What else, what else piques your interest about this case?
1: I've been in this game for almost 10 years. And it still just drives me crazy. And I'm still so shocked to see situations where senior leaders in these big organizations, right? These are publicly traded organizations, um, you know, purposely flub this information. Yeah, you know, a couple years ago at uh, the SCC Compliance and Ethics Institute, I got to hear uh, an individual speak. Uh, he wrote this book called Why They Do It. Uh, if you get a chance to read it, uh, read it. It's a great book essentially about white collar crime. And, you know, you start to hear stories about Enron, um, you hear stories about other organizations where individuals start something on a very small scale and ends up growing to be out of control. You hear these stories from, you know, a couple decades ago when we're talking about Enron and you start to see the progression and you really start, especially the last 10 years, uh, you really start to see this focus on this idea of white collar crime. But like to see it continue happen when there's such an emphasis on what we do for a living in compliance, having a program sent to place, having a team, having the proactive measures to kind of be successful, it still always just surprises me. And I hope as I continue my career, I'm never in an organization that just that happens to be, but you know, you just never know. And I think that's the underlying message, which is you just don't know, right? As hard as you try, the bad guys squeak through and it takes a couple of years for you know, the issue to get identified and the government to come down hard.
0: Yeah, I hope also to never be involved with an organization like that. But like you said, you just never know. I appreciate your insight into this investigation, Emmett. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad we're rebooting. And you mentioned this at the start of the podcast, We'd love to hear from whoever's listening, topic ideas that you'd like to bring forward. We'd love to hear feedback. We really want to make sure that we're, we're making the best possible podcast we can. So, um, you know, recommendations, suggestions, feedback, whatever, we're looking to kind of do this. This is, this is a, a passion project of Dagmar and mine. Um, we just enjoy talking about compliance, and there's just, there's just so much and you know, in the next couple episodes, we're gonna talk about investigations. We're gonna talk about the special uh, fraud alert from uh, the OIG regarding speaker programs. We're gonna talk about the updates to the safe harbor and exceptions to anti-kickback statutes dark, but there's so much more. So let us know, let us know what you wanna talk about. Give us your input. Um, you know, we wanna want to keep having these conversations because they're important.
0: Yeah, I agree. You can hit us up on Twitter at Comply. Um, Or you can shoot us an email, info at compliatric.com. Thank you for listening to Think Compliance. Be sure to join us again for our next podcast. Thanks, Ahmed.
1: Thanks, Dagmar. Talk to you soon. Bye.